T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Kabal Brogd, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two. March Madness is upon us. If you missed anything from the first hour, you can always go back and listen. KFHradio.com or on our free Odyssey app. I'm Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Castor with you another hour here on this Monday of the postseason in college basketball. We will get more into college hoops uh, again a little later in this hour. We'll have more giveaways for you in this hour as well. Chad Chambers producing for us. You can get in touch with the program 869-1240 is the number to call. You can find Tommy and I on Twitter. That's probably the fastest place to get reaction. You can also email the show. Um, Lots of different ways to get in touch with us. We always appreciate everybody doing that. And here we go into hour number two, Tommy, and we get into this NFL quarterback offseason. Always a fascinating topic this year. Uh, No shortage of interesting components to the overall picture. We still don't know about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Lamar Jackson, will he become a free agent? We'll get into that. But the most recent news, and we went into this, Tommy, and we were going to talk about how Derek Carr is emerging as the favorite to go to New York. Now, Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the Saints have emerged as the front runners to sign Carr. Agreement could be reached as early as today. Very interesting development for about a thousand different reasons. I think the Saints are one of the top spots based on the division that they play in, quite frankly, and they do still have talent. Um, so that's a that's an interesting spot, and certainly I think a good get for New Orleans. Is it a better fit than the Jets would be? Well, you get to play in a dome, and you don't play in the same dis- division as the Dolphins and the Bills, so I suppose you could make that case. But what I think it does, Tommy, is just make me wonder... If the reporting was the Jets and how much the Jets have loved him, and now all of a sudden it's the Saints, my first reaction is, okay, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers here? I'm not surprised one bit that Derek Carr is going to the Saints. Um, I never thought that it made sense at all for him to go to the Jets. Uh, really? No, not not at all. Paul and I talked about it last week on the show. Why in the world? Derek Carr has spent his entire career playing in the AFC and playing in the AFC West. 
and he knows the landscape of, of that conference and specifically the, the division. And he knows how difficult it is with teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals. And then, you know, you go into potentially the AFC West where you've got to battle up against Josh Allen and the Bills. And then you've got the Dolphins who probably they're on the come up, it looks like. Uh, the Patriots weren't terrible last year either. Why wouldn't you want to go to the NFC and go to probably the weakest division in football? And I think that that makes the Saints the front runners right now to win that division. Now, of course, we'll see how things you know play out throughout the course of the offseason. But um, I think that that makes Derek Carr one of the top quarterbacks in that entire conference. I mean, the NFC is weaker when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, remember when we were looking at back in the playoffs, I think it was in the championship rounds or maybe it was in the divisional rounds and all the quarterbacks that were playing in the playoffs in the AFC. And it was Mahomes and Burrow and Allen uh, Herbert, like all. And then you looked at the quarterbacks that were playing in the NFC and it was like not yet Brock Purdy. Like it was night and day different as far as the, the caliber of quarterbacks in that conference compared to the AFC. So it never made any sense to me whatsoever that Derek Carr would want to stay in that conference. It makes more sense that he wants to go to New Orleans. Yeah, look, I, 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 I at, at our age, we're older than Derek Carr is uh, by a, a little while, but. If I was long in the tooth as far as my NFL career went and you told me that, you know, I could go play in a dome in New Orleans, a dome in Atlanta, Charlotte and Tampa or Buffalo, Foxborough and New York all in outdoor stadiums, that would be enough for me (laughs) because I like I'd be like, oh, man, yeah, that that just give me that comfort level. I think the the Saints are sneaky good. The, re, the, the look, I I think highly like most people that the Jets' talent on that roster is tremendous, tremendous, right? But the Saints aren't really lacking either. No, I don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara, so I we'll have to see on that. But Olave looked like he is the real deal, and who knows what Michael Thomas is there? But they, you know, they've always had a good line. We thought they were going to have a, a a really good defense. It maybe not was wasn't quite as good as we thought, but they definitely have an opportunity to win. And we'll see what happens with Tampa. But depending on what Tampa does at quarterback, New Orleans, yeah, would become the favorite. And I think Derek Carr is a really interesting player. And when we were going to talk about this as it pertained to New York, there were a lot of comparisons drawn to Matt Stafford's impact on the Rams. Right, a really talented team that you get somebody in that's had success in this league. And I don't think Carr is quite the arm talent of Matt Stafford, but, man, Carr has been really good over his career. Last year was, you know, we felt like last year was a really bad year, right? Like, it it felt like Carr really struggled and it wasn't good at all. He had 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. You know, the yardage wasn't there, but those are pretty typical to his numbers, maybe more interceptions than we're used to, certainly. But, I mean, the guy's about a, you know, about a quarterback rating of of 90 to 100 every single year. He's he's relatively efficient. He can handle a high-volume passing attack. He's done that before. Um, I, I think he's a good fit, and I think for New Orleans, it's probably just about right for what they need. And, and you know, are you really, if you're New Orleans, going to go bank everything on a rookie quarterback? Because I'm not sure they're 
that far back. Like Carolina, it seems more obvious. Carolina could absolutely go with a young quarterback, right? Um, it, the Saints feel better than that in a winnable division. So it, it does make sense. Here's a trivia question for you. When was the last time that the Saints used a first-round draft pick on a quarterback? And do you know who it was? Um, it wouldn't have been Aaron Brooks wasn't a first-rounder. Nope. Um, cert- certainly wasn't Drew Brees. Got to go further back probably than Aaron Brooks. It wasn't Archie Manning, go, was it? Yeah, Archie Manning. You got to go all the way back to the yeah. early 1970s, and, and Archie Manning was the last time that the Saints did that. So they're not that, that's not what the organization has ever done. Uh, and so I think it made a lot more sense for them to go out and get a veteran on the market. And think about it this way. You mentioned the the, the climate and the weather for Derek Carr, and, and that sure, that's that's probably some of it, especially considering that he played in Vegas last season. And, you know, I'm not sure that it's super attractive to go and play in places like Buffalo and, and whatever. I think on top of that, though, and more importantly than that, is the fact that you would have to face Buffalo twice. You'd have to face Miami twice. You'd have to face New England twice. And I think that it's much more appealing for a guy like Derek Carr, who's been in the league for a long time and is looking to find the best path forward to go to the playoffs, to, to win a Super Bowl. I'm not sure he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I've never thought that about Derek Carr. But regardless, I think well, the if path Jimmy Garoppolo is, is Derek right. Carr is. I think the path is significantly easier for him to play Atlanta twice. They don't have a quarterback. Play for play against Tampa Bay twice. They don't have a quarterback. Carolina twice. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, this absolutely elevates New Orleans to being one of probably the best team in that division and one of the best teams in the entire conference. Well, and the other piece of it too, like I said, it instantly makes me wonder like what's Aaron Rodgers doing? Because if the jets are so in on car and then all of a sudden the saints emerge, but the other scenario, and maybe this is the more likely scenario here, and we're probably going to learn this today or whenever, if, if it's really that close, the reality is it could have been just that the saints got more aggressive in the offer they're willing to make. Right, because they are in the situation you mentioned where the Jets are set up for the Jets are set up if they can get quarterback right, especially with a young quarterback, they're looking at long term success here. Because it, it's wild to imagine, but I think what we're seeing is the Jets talent level is not that far off of those other teams. I mean, I think it's ahead of New England, and I, I it's real close in totality. You know, I think they probably have, when you look at offense and defense, as much talent at least as Miami, and they're probably not far from Buffalo. They they have hit on so many young players. I mean, Tommy, they would have had probably the three leading vote-getters for Rookie of the Year last year. And yeah. Sauce Gardner had Brees Hall not got hurt. And Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall and, and Garrett Wilson. Like, yeah. I mean, that is remarkable. And they've been doing they've- that for a little while. They've drafted incredibly well, and they have the the setup to be able to have a lot of long-term success. That's another reason why I never thought Derek Carr was the right fit for the Jets. And from Derek Carr's perspective, but then also from the Jets' perspective, if you are set up and you've got everything in place to go and win a Super Bowl, are you going to entrust that franchise to a guy who's never made it there? Probably not. Not in my opinion. I well, wouldn't there's if I'm only- the general manager. There's only one guy then that fits that mold, and it's Aaron Rodgers. Are you really going to bank everything on Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but Denver did that last year, 
And and how much did that bite them? Because then they got desperate. And so I maybe they're and maybe they're in the conversation for for Lamar Jackson if indeed, and we'll get to Lamar Jackson in just a second. Maybe they would have interest there too, which would be a really interesting fit for sure. Um, but I, you know, I don't. That that to me seems like that's why I thought they did have interest in Carr because it was the safer way to go. Like to trust Aaron Rodgers' offseason whims and and put the keys to your franchise in that. I don't know. But they're and ready maybe to win ju- right now. They're ready. Well, I to know win they right are. Now. I, I absolutely. But what if what if they don't get Rodgers? Then what are they well, going to do? I, I mean, I, I don't know where else. I don't know where Jimmy else Garoppolo is, is another go. option. I don't, I don't know where he Aaron may not Rogers, play. I mean, he just right. may not I, play I think anywhere. Those are, those are the only two options. He's either not going to play or he's going to play with the Jets. That's probably what we're looking at. And so I think that, and, and you mentioned this at the top of the segment, the fact that Derek Carr is going to the Saints, that would lead me to believe that there's something going on there with Aaron Rodgers uh, and that something is being worked on right now with the Jets. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Wouldn't surprise me either, or if they feel like, they're going to get a non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson. So we're hearing more reports this week, and Lamar Jackson met with um, executives from the Ravens and still are not close on a deal. And we we had talked about this a few weeks ago as an option that I hadn't thought about. Honestly, I didn't even know it was a thing, the non-exclusive franchise tag. So most of the time when teams sign players to a franchise tag, it basically ensures a player gets a top salary compared to his Peers at the position for one year. It's fully guaranteed, but that takes him off the market. Apparently, this non-exclusive thing allows that same thing to happen, except that it's sort of backwards. Jackson is then permitted to negotiate with other teams. The Ravens would then get the opportunity to match it, but if they don't, they get two first-round picks in return. Man. I've all when when I heard about that possible, and again, I don't remember what in the last month we've been talking about this. That to me made a whole lot of sense for the Ravens to explore, because you haven't closed the door on Lamar Jackson. Now I I find it hard to believe that if they go that route, Lamar would be very willing to you know to to mend that relationship. But if you do go that route, and we've got a team like the Jets that we're talking about. Or really, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, because of his age, it's just about anybody, right, that needs a quarterback. Now, he's going to cost you a lot of money. But I think that we're still very much in Lamar Jackson's prime. And a guy like Lamar Jackson on a team like the Jets that are, you know they foundationally want to run the ball and play that kind of defense, but have a couple of receivers, two, three receivers that are that are more likely than Jack, and more talented than Jackson really played with. You know, the one thing they don't have is a tight end, but you could probably go solve that if you need to. That makes sense to me too, because he's an instant um, lightning rod into the organization. Now you got to be able to coach him and you got to be able to design an offense around his skill set on a whim. But isn't his offensive coordinator also out? Greg Roman? I think he's yeah, out in he's Baltimore. Out. So I don't know what that relationship's like, but there's an option for you. Bring him in as some sort of advisor or whatever. I don't know. That would make sense to me, too. And if I'm the Ravens and we can't come together on a deal and I understand the complications with Jackson and the fact that he got hurt and the fact that, you know, an older player is going to have to continue to rely on their legs the way they did when they were a younger player. I get it from the Ravens standpoint. 
the Jets would make a lot of sense for Lamar Jackson. A couple other teams would make a lot of sense, too, for Lamar Jackson, like the Dolphins. Um, I mean, think of all the weapons that they have in Miami. I don't think about, that one makes sense. With with Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, I need an accurate, quick-in-the-pocket passer for, for Miami. To, for how do you to feel work. about San Francisco, maybe, as a landing spot maybe. for Lamar Jackson? I mean, there maybe. are other teams that I think would be absolutely interested in bringing in a talent like Jamar, Lamar Jackson. And as far as the Ravens are concerned, uh, I like the idea of them, if they're not optimistic that they can reach a long-term deal with Lamar Jackson, and it doesn't look like... As of yeah, right I don't know now, how they that could they're making be any headway, right? Uh, then maybe you do go ahead and tag him non-exclusively. That way, you know that you're going to be able to get some compensation in return for him when he ends up, you know, signing with another team. Now, I don't know if two first-round draft picks would that preclude some? Maybe not all the teams. I'm sure there would be absolutely be a team out there that would sign him yep. in exchange for two first-round picks. But that might preclude a couple of teams from wanting to jump into that sweepstakes, knowing that the return that they're going to have to give up to get Lamar Jackson is two firsts. That might stop a couple teams in their tracks. Uh, but ultimately, I think that that protects the Ravens a little bit. Um, you could always exclusively franchise tag him again. But at that point, really, I just don't see a scenario where if you franchise tag him again, he's going to be interested in signing a long-term deal. So maybe you go the non-exclusive route. That way you know you get compensation back. I'll give you a team that I haven't heard rumor, but to just like would make me in the short term be like, oh no, if I was the opposition, what about Tennessee? Like what, <laughs> what about Tennessee? And you could and you, you, like that, just imagine like a read option where you've got to either account for Derrick Henry or Lamar Jackson. And I know Derrick Henry probably doesn't have a lot of years left, but he's got some. That would be, that would be wild to watch. It, it does come down to who would be willing to give up that sort of draft capital. Um, and I don't know that, you know, I, I don't think San Francisco would be. I also don't know that I think Lamar Jackson would be a great fit there because Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, Kittle make, would make it make some sense. And, and Shanahan loves to run the ball, so maybe. Uh, but he just. How about a read option the, with, with the him and McCaffrey? Man. I know, but the the only reason I say it is because they've always found their success. Think about it with Garoppolo and then even into Brock Purdy. Like the style of quarterback for Kyle Shanahan would be totally different. Like, I, you know, Lamar Jackson would provide a totally different look for that. Um, so I don't know about that one. But the Jets, if I'm the Jets and I just hit three home runs in the draft like I did last year and I've hit more than that going back, would I be willing to give up a couple of firsts? Maybe. I mean, I'm really like maybe I would rather pay Rogers the money and keep the draft capital. But if Rogers isn't an option and Rogers is the elephant in the room here, and we went through this last off season with him. Like if you don't think you're going to get that done, if you're the jets, you better have a backup plan. And maybe the backup plan can be as simple as Jimmy Garoppolo. And I would be totally fine with that, by the way. Um, but like you, it's gotta be something and you're going to, cause I don't think it's Mike white. I don't think you can go into the season as much as he's been a great story. Like, I don't think you can, I don't think you can take that much of a risk. Just keep him on the roster, do all those things. And then I guess at that point, if you brought in somebody like Jimmy G, you'd have to draft another quarterback. But then what do you do with Zach Wilson? You really going to cut ties with Zach? Like it, it, they're in an interesting situation. I think that, yeah, they may be all in for Aaron Rodgers, and that might be the right way to go. But Denver proved to us last year that's a dangerous way to go because they did the same thing, and it made them hire a very underqualified coach, 
And then they felt like they had to go do something big, so they went and made a pretty risky move with Russell Wilson that certainly doesn't look like, at least so far, it's going to pay off in any way. It's a little I, I bit just, different, though. It's a little, I mean, because they, you know, the Jets aren't going out and trying to hire a coach solely for the reason to bring in Aaron Rodgers to town. Like, that's, they've already got Robert Sala in place, you know, so really they're just trying to bring Aaron Rodgers to town. If it doesn't work out, then there are some contingency plans out there in the form of they have Jimmy to Garoppolo have a contingency. I don't right? think Denver had a contingency plan. The reason no. I draw a comparison to it is Denver was in the same boat as, you know, great defense, good line good position players, everything set except for the quarterback. That's the way the Jets feel to me right now. And and so because Denver didn't hit on Rodgers, they got desperate and traded for Russell Wilson. And that did not work. It'd be like, it would be like the Jets missing and going to trade that kind of draft capital for Kirk Cousins, right? Like something something wild and crazy like that. And, and I like Kirk Cousins. I'm, that's not what I mean. But like you went and made that deal like you were getting Aaron Rodgers if you were Denver and you didn't. Like, you can't make that kind of deal unless it's slam dunk, no doubt about it. And, look, I don't. I think Rodgers is fine. Like, I didn't watch Rodgers at all last year and think he doesn't have it anymore. I think he's still got it. Um, and and I, I want it to happen because I'm intrigued by the Jets, very much so. And I want to see a guy like Brees Hall play with Aaron Rodgers. And, and all of these things, like, I want to see it happen. The chaos of it in that division would be just unbelievable to watch. And, and man, we'd love it. So we'll see. But it appears, again, Adam Schefter reporting, the Saints, the front runners. that deal could get done as soon as today for Derek Carr. And that's one big domino in an offseason that will have a lot of them. The two biggest still out there with really nobody knowing what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. But there we go. We'll get back to college hoops as we make our way through the show here today. In the meantime, let's give something away, shall we? Uh, We've got some movie tickets. We'll give away another four-pack to an early showing for the new DC movie Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It's Thursday at 7 o'clock at Boulevard Theater in Town West Mall. You can get your hands on four tickets to a sneak peek special early showing of DC's Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We'll do that to our first caller during the break. Chad will get us a winner. We'll come back with more College Hoops Talk when we return on Sports Daily. We had two different four-packs to Boulevard Town West Theaters for a sneak peek of the new Shazam movie. We had Tom, uh, or sorry, we had Mike in Clearwater win in the first hour, and Tom in Wichita win in the second hour, and then Tom back on the line because he wants to talk a little quarterback here with the NFL. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, And um, I apologize if you already talked about this because once in a while I do have to get out of my car. What are the Chiefs going to do at quarterback since their backup guy is retiring? Well, we'll forgive you for getting out of your car, Tom. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, Tom, I think I think it'll be Shane Bouchelle. Uh, I think they really like him. I think they tried hard to keep him on the roster probably for this very reason. So I, I think that that's the direction they go there. I got a name, though. Okay. I got a name about a potential guy that uh, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to want to spend the money on, but I think it'd be kind of cool for him to be a backup how about Marcus Mariota? He was released by the Falcons. He's not really going to, I think, get a whole lot of play. 
anything more than a backup anywhere. And I think that the style that he runs, I don't, that could be a pretty fun fit. I don't know if the chiefs are going to want to commit to that, but that might be something to keep your eyes on. Yeah, I, I will see that. That would be a money thing. And do they really want to carry three quarterbacks again? I think the reason they did it last time was to hang on to, um, Bouchel. So I, I don't know with Mahomes if you need to carry three quarterbacks, I think you probably don't. Um, they could also draft another project guy. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think, I think it's Bouchel though. All right, Tom, thank you for the call. Thanks uh, for participating in our giveaway and congratulations on winning that giveaway. Um, all right, Tommy, let's talk a little college hoops again. Um, do we think that the floor is a responsible thing to do in the postseason? Because we're going to do it anyway. Um, I always think it's tricky with college hoops, putting a floor on a team. Like, what do they have to do to feel like they've achieved something? Because it, it is a really difficult thing to do in games in the NCAA tournament. Um, but you know what? That, that's just the part of it. And let's do it anyway. So we're, we're sort of discussing here what appropriate floors would be for all three of the teams that we pay attention to. So you've got Kansas projected as a one. Kansas, and this is according to Jerry Palm as of today, cbsports.com. Uh, you've got Kansas projected as a one, Kansas State projected as a two. Wichita State certainly not projected in the tournament at all. Um, so let's start with the Shockers and an appropriate floor, Tommy. I think an appropriate floor for the Shockers is two wins in their conference tournament and then hopefully a bid into the NIT and a couple of wins in an NIT tournament. So, um, you know, without knowing if they're going to be able to get into a postseason, it makes it a little trickier. But if they can get into a post-postseason tournament, I would say four more wins this year, assuming they get in one of the invitationals. Now you're calling that the floor. You're calling that kind of where that the baseline the expectations. Yeah, that which might be a little too lane. Yeah, that's a little aggressive. That's a little aggressive. I think for the floor, I think that that should absolutely be in the conversation as maybe not the ceiling, but somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I'm not sure that's a reasonable floor. I think that in my mind, the reasonable floor is winning two games in the conference tournament and. I guess at that point, crossing your fingers for a postseason bid and trying to get a win in a postseason tournament. In my mind, that would be the floor. I think that they will, they'll beat Tulsa. At least they should beat Tulsa. They can beat Tulane. They have this season. Uh, and then from there, I don't think that if, if the Shockers win, and I'm no bracketologist, I don't really know the way that things are lining out, at least for the NIT, but I don't really know if the Shockers win two in the conference tournament and then fall to a team like Memphis in the semifinals if that's enough to get them into the NIT I don't know if it is or not think, it might be I think but it I'm, is. I'm not sure I'm not sure that's a reasonable floor at that point I think the NIT knows that Wichita State is a one they have a, a good home crowd for that kind of stuff and two they have a great traveling fan base I think that that stuff has to matter for these invitationals uh, so we'll see uh, but yeah, it's a tricky one without knowing the post. But assuming we're we're going to assume for the sake of this conversation that they reach a postseason tournament, whether it's the NIT or the C CBI or the CIT, whatever it is, like any of them, any of them, four wins. Now maybe that means they win one in the American, lose to Tulane, and then make a run in one of those other tournaments. 
But I'm going to put it at four. I think this team's got four wins left in it. And and if they don't, I'll be a little disappointed. Um, K-State. K-State's an interesting one. Think back to the beginning of this year and the fact that we're having this conversation now. It still just blows my mind. Um, I, I honestly, Tommy, I, I'm kind of... A floor needs to be the second weekend. Like, I, this team needs to reach the second weekend. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that this team is absolutely talented enough uh, and I think can play with anybody in the country to where an early round exit in the first or second round. I think at this point, with what we know about this team, what we know about the caliber of talent they have and the kind of coach Jerome Tang is, I think an early round exit would be a disappointment. So yeah, I think I would agree with you. A reasonable floor is probably the sweet 16, I would say. And, and here's what we'll do to support that too, is look at the most recent net rankings, which I think were yesterday through the games yesterday. Um, so the teams that are in the sweet 16 that are, because Kansas state is 17 in the net, but you've got, and this was Florida Atlantic's in there, uh, so for whatever that's worth. But you know, you're you're really looking at teams like Kentucky, Arkansas, Creighton, Marquette, Baylor, Arizona. You know, Texas is sort of in that range. Iowa State's in the range. Like, so to get to the Sweet Sixteen, like that's your that's your competition. Yes, I think Kansas State needs to be in that conversation. So two wins. Again, so much of it is so dependent on who you play and the styles and everything. That's what makes this hard. But, I, yeah, Sweet 16 needs to be the floor for Kansas State. And obviously for them, and we talked about this last week, the ceiling is a national championship, right? So it's not, you know, a floor of a Sweet 16, a ceiling of a national championship. And that's typically, Tommy, where I put Kansas when this happens every year and we talk about this very topic. It's usually get to the Sweet 16, and it'll be good and obviously try to win a national championship. But I'm going to raise that floor up a little bit for the defending champions. And I'm going to make it up to the Elite Eight. I'm going to take Kansas to the Elite Eight. Because I do think this year Kansas is in a conversation and and uh, you know a level ahead of the rest of the Big 12, quite frankly. But it does feel like there's a difference between Houston, Alabama, UCLA, Maybe Purdue, Kansas. I, I think that they're at just one rung ahead of their peers. And so I'm going to raise their floor up to the Elite Eight. I do think there is some separation this year among those teams. I don't know what that means for my bracket. But I think that Kansas belongs in a conversation with that very top tier. I think that second tier is as big as it's ever been. But the top should include Kansas. Therefore, I'll raise their floor to the Elite Eight. I think part of the reason why that's appropriate, and I don't have any sort of qualms about that being the floor for the Jayhawks, is just look at their number of quad one wins this season. I mean, it's what, 14 or 15 quad one wins that they've had. So throughout the entire season, they have, and of course, it's a product of playing in the Big 12, but even outside of that, they have played top tier opponents throughout the entire season and have shown that they can win against those top tier opponents. That's what you have to have in the NCAA tournament, regardless of your draw. I mean, we can talk about once the selection Sunday comes and goes, what you know the draws look like for Kansas and Kansas State and the regions and the matchups and all of that. And that's all relevant. But just knowing 
the number of high quality opponents that the Jayhawks have beaten this season and the number of quad one wins they have, you've got to be able to do that night in and night out. Uh, and in a lot of cases, you know, back to back with a one day rest kind of thing, it's a gauntlet in the NCAA tournament. And so uh, I think that knowing that and knowing that they have been able to beat a lot of top tier opponents, I think that that's appropriate to go ahead and raise that floor from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight. Yeah, and and you know it's it's tough. It's really really difficult to win games in the postseason and to get into the Elite Eight. You got to win what four of them from sixty four to thirty two is one, thirty two to sixteen is two, uh, sixteen to eight is three. So I guess you got to win three, and and that's you know that's that's not easy to do. And obviously the ceiling is the national championship. I'm still not convinced, and I can't wait to see it when games have all been played. And I don't know that Kansas is going to jump Houston now because Kansas had been the second odds-on favorite to win it. But I, I thought a long – how long have I said that now? Three weeks that I predicted Kansas would be the odds-on favorite when we started the NCAA tournament. They'll have to win the Big 12 tournament for that to happen, and Houston probably not win the AAC tournament for them to overtake them. Uh, but that that's the ceiling. And it's it's a it's kind of – I don't it's not unfair – at all. And and don't mistake what I'm saying. It's just there was so much unknown about this team too. And so for it, it's kind of impressive that Kansas has put itself back in this position when you lost two NBA guys and you lost McCormick, who was the most important player for them last year in the tournament. When you lose those three guys and replace them with um, a defensive specialist transfer, a super one superstar freshman knowing the other one that you had hadn't done anything and you've got a guy nobody expected to be the number five guy for you all year in KJ Adams yet here you are I mean that's that's pretty impressive too as we look back yeah. now at this season and it's not just the personnel it's the style of play too and and Bill Self has shown for years and years what his preferred style of basketball is he likes to play that inside out game the the four out one in kind of thing and having a a big guy in the post whether it's a David McCormick or you go back further with Yudoka Azabuke or whoever I mean from years ago that's been the preferred style they don't have that this season they they get it occasionally with Ernest Uday but he's still so young and raw that it's you know obviously not rounded into form at this point but it's a different kind of game and, and Bill Self has I think done a, a remarkable job. And you know, the big 12 awards came out yesterday, which I know we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, I, I don't have any sort of qualms about Jerome Tang winning big 12 coach of the year. That's fine with me. I get it. I understand why, but if it's not Jerome Tang, it's gotta be bill self with the, the ways that bill self has built this team and adjusted the style of play where he's utilizing KJ Adams with the, with the short roll to the basket. And that's worked. Uh, he's utilizing this team and the outside shooting and the, the transition play and all of that. It, it's a different kind of basketball than what we're used to seeing the Jayhawks play. And here they are, you know, potentially competing for a back-to-back national championship. So um, again, I, I totally understand why Jerome Tang was voted as coach of the year. I get that. Uh, but I don't know that, you know, if if it wasn't Jerome Tang, I'm not sure of another coach in the Big 12 that would be more deserving of that than Bill Self. It's those two, but it's Tang. I mean, it's Tang. Uh, I'm okay with that. It doesn't take anything away from Bill Self. Tang, Tang, it's Tang for a lot of reasons. Um, it's Tang for beating the expectations. It's Tang for you know putting this team in this position when they were picked last and all those things but to me it's more tang that if you look big picture at the impact he's had on that university 
I mean, it is unbelievable and tremendous, and I do think that matters. Uh, Bill Self has done as good a coaching job this year, I think, as he's ever done. The problem is, you know, his floor, per this conversation, is way too high anyway. But yeah, like, the the to the, the stylistic changes that, but but there are stylistic changes, Tommy. But you know what's always there is when KU's at its best this year. It's when they're playing their best defense, and KU has a great point guard like they so often do. Right, it happens to be the same one, by the way, that won a Natty last year. They have a Naismith candidate, which they almost always do. Um, you know, the freshmen have been hit or miss, but they happen to have another superstar freshman this year. But those core components of a great defense and a great point guard and a Naismith candidate that they've leaned on all year, they've had that for a lot of years. They got it again this year. Now, the rest of it looks a little different, but I go back to the beginning of the year when it was like, oh, no, Kansas, they they don't have enough size. And I'm just like, guys, that like enough size isn't really a thing that exists very often in college basketball anymore. Like there aren't a lot of traditional centers anymore. Yeah, Tennessee and Purdue have it. Uh, but, you know, I'd take Kansas over either of those teams right now. And and so it, it never worried me that much as long as they could defend that position well. And I think that they can because their offense can come from – their offense, Tommy, can is as versatile as it's ever been. I mean, they, they, can, they can come at you a lot of different ways. Yeah, they can. And, of course, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is a team where they have – actually struggled shooting the ball from the perimeter. Uh, Jalen Wilson at one point, I think, had missed 18 threes in a row dating back to the middle of February. Grady Dick wasn't shooting it great over the last week or so. Um, I think he only had four points in the the senior night win against Texas Tech uh, last week. And then, of course, you know, on the road at Texas this weekend wasn't great for basically any Jayhawk. Uh, but regardless, when they're clicking, you're correct. They're forcing turnovers and they're able to get out in transition. They're able to play fast. Uh, and I think that that's going to be a big difference. Like we've talked about for a long time about the the lack of the traditional size at the five position that Kansas, they don't have this season. But what they can do is they can stretch the floor and they can get out and run. And I think that if you can take that away from other teams and they might have size, if you're playing a Tennessee or a Purdue uh, in a Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or Final Four matchup, then yeah, it's going to be difficult uh, because you're going to be giving up some size. But if you can get out and stretch the floor, that's obviously going to be the best way that the Jayhawks can get a win. Let's take this one step further before we take a break. Let's look at the entire field and floors and ceilings. I would say that I think Kansas has the highest ceiling of any team in the country. Like if they're playing their best game, I think Kansas's best is better than everybody else's best. Now, I don't think they have the highest floor, but I do think they have the highest ceiling. I think Houston probably has the highest floor with the way that they defend and the experience they have at the guard position. I would probably put Houston's floor ahead of Kansas's, but not their ceiling. I, I think Kansas has the highest ceiling in the country. I'll give you a hot take right now. It would not shock me one bit if Houston is the first number one seed to go. It wouldn't oh, really? shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Houston gets bounced in, I don't know, the second round. Um, I mean, look at what look at the game just yesterday. I mean, and of course they were playing Memphis, but it took a last second buzzer beater for them to beat Memphis. Houston's been playing with fire for a while. Now they're a they're a talented team, don't get me wrong. They defend 
just as good as basically anybody in the country, if not better. But they've been they've been dabbling with fire for a little while now. You, uh, it, you it wouldn't like it wouldn't Houston? surprise me. Do you like Alabama and Purdue if they're the other two twos more than you? I mean, ones more than you like Houston. Well, it's going to come down to the draw, obviously. But it I mean, wouldn't, I don't well, like all, Alabama. To me, seems like they've they're uh, just a waiting to be a disappointment. I mean, Oklahoma crushed them, and they've had this off the court stuff. I don't know Purdue. I fall in love with bigs all the time, and you know Kansas, notwithstanding, a year ago, sometimes the bigs can can kill you in the tournament because they get in foul trouble. I, I I think that I would, I don't know. I think Houston's pretty safe. That defense and those guards this time of year, I, I think Houston. I mean, yeah, a draw could could it really end up hurting them pretty bad, right? You know, but, they're playing in a in a weaker conference right now. You know, of course, sure. that's going to change next season. Uh, so the the quality of competition, you know, overall for for Houston, not as good as. If you're facing the gauntlet of the Big 12 or the SEC or the Big 10, um, yeah, I, I wonder how much that's going to play into it for Houston going into the tournament. I'm just saying, yeah, again, like it, they could make it to the Elite Eight or, or further. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if they stumble early on in the tournament. We'll see. I cannot wait. We got to get through these conference tournaments. Thankfully for us on the men's side, and the women begin today, by the way, Wichita State. Uh, they, they begin their tournament. But on the men's side, I'm pretty excited about both of those tournaments. Remember what I was just saying about the Titans? You can crumple that up and throw it out the window. Another report coming for you uh, in our last full segment here. This is another NFL kind of bombshell. Uh, we'll talk about it next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. season a lot of really talented one-time players being let go Adam Thielen for the Vikings it looks like and then this Tommy the Titans are shopping Derrick Henry oh boy Uh, that's interesting Henry has been a bit of a unicorn in his as far as his the length of his effectiveness right Um, he's been you know he's just sort of maintained and and been the guy and last year, another, I don't know, 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns and just about four and a half yards per carry. It's just, it, it's crazy to see how successful he's been in all of these different years. He's entering his age 29 season. But if the Titans are really going to shop him, 
don't you think, I mean, at least for one year or maybe two, he's got value? That's a really interesting development because he is not, you know, equitable to most running backs when they reach his age. He is he is still effective. I think it tells you that the Titans are in full rebuild mode. Uh, I mean, because he's really been the only consistent, effective member of their offense over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I mean, keep in mind, they traded away A.J. Brown. They don't have any receivers at all. Um, Ryan Tannehill is not, obviously, the the long-term future for the Titans at all. Um, so th- they've got a lot of questions to answer on offense. Um, and it, it looks to me that, I mean, they're going to want to try to get draft picks for him, right, more than likely, and then go and try to rebuild that offense. They've got a pretty solid defense. And, of course, Mike Vrabel is a defensive coach. But on the other side of the ball, they're going to – if they end up moving Derrick Henry, there's going to be some big-time changes in that offense. Yeah, and I don't think I, – I mean, honestly, I don't think they're going to get a ton for him. If they don't get a ton for him, I mean, shouldn't about 28 teams be interested in Derrick Henry's services? Sure. On a short I, I do, Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I think he's got a year or two left to be effective uh, in the NFL. I mean, he changes, he changes the way defenses have to game plan in a, in big time, big time. There are some teams that could really do damage with Derrick Henry. All right, 869-1240. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap. Busy day on the network here. We've got it for you next on Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.